Let's turn back to the chapter that we read from the second book of Samuel, chapter 19. We'll read again at the beginning of verse 15. Second Samuel, chapter 19, verse 15. So the king came back. So the king came back. 2008-2009, I can't remember exactly when, Princess Anne paid a visit to the Nicholson Institute. At that time I was working as a, a deputy rector in the school. And I was involved in the planning for the visit. And I was amazed at, at the protocols, the rules, the, the, the regulations that we had to follow uh, for this visit. We weren't allowed to speak to her unless she spoke to, her, to, to, to us first. We were told how we had to address her. And the school was full of these guys, big guys with suits and earpieces who didn't really want to speak to anybody. But it was also amazing to, to see the different attitudes that people had to the visit of this royal person. Some people were really excited at the thought of a, a genuine real life princess coming into the school. Some of the, some of the children, the, 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 the young people in the school, the, the ones in the choirs and, and those who were performing for her visit, they were all excited. Most of the teenagers were kind of, yeah, didn't really think much about it. But some people were, were, were quite empty. Why is she coming here? It's a waste of time. It's getting in the way of the work of the school. So everybody had a different attitude as, as, as to what was happening. A reading in Samuel is about King David coming back. Coming to Jerusalem, coming over the Jordan, after the unsuccessful rebellion of his son, Absalom. Absalom, his own son, had risen up against him and tried to overthrow him. But Absalom was now dead. He was caught in a tree by his hair. He was fond of his hair. I wish I had Absalom's problems sometimes. But Absalom is now dead. Absalom is gone. And David is returning to take his place on Israel's throne. But not everybody is happy to see King David coming back. Not everybody is rejoicing over the king's return. Some were ready for it. They were overjoyed that he was coming back. The thought of David on the throne again was, was all that they wished for. But others, they weren't so pleased about it. So we're going to look this morning, this afternoon, for a few moments, at the people who met King David as he came back. Because each of those that we read about met the king with a different attitude. And as we do this morning, this is not some mere theological exercise. It's not a historic exercise. I want us to think about our returning king. Because we serve a king who is coming back. Jesus is coming back. When we celebrate communion, we do so with the words of 
1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus is coming back. And before he left this earth, he gave a precious promise. He gave it as a glorious hope for the people of God, for those who believe in him. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. He's coming back for a purpose. He's coming back to take you to be with him. What a blessing if you love Jesus Christ today. What a thought about your eternal future that Jesus himself will come and will take you to be with him. But when Jesus returns, when he comes back, not everybody will meet him in the same way. Some will be excited, yes. Some will be rejoicing. But others will be caught off guard. And others will be terrified. And the question for you and me today is, how will we meet the king? Well, some of the people that we read about in chapter 19 of 2 Samuel will be worried. They were worried. One man who met him was called Ziba, and Ziba had good reason to be worried about the king coming back. In chapter 16 of this book, you can read about when David had to run, had to flee from Jerusalem. Ziba came and he brought David food and he brought him supplies. But as he gave that to David, he used the opportunity to destroy the reputation of his master, to destroy the reputation of the man that he served, this man called Mephibosheth. And because of this deception, because David believed Ziba, why wouldn't he? He was a good man. He brought all these supplies and these provisions. So what he must have been saying about Ziba must have been true. He believed Ziba. And so David gave Ziba all of Mephibosheth's property. But Ziba lied to the king. Ziba lied to deceive him, to feather his own nest, to line his own pockets. And Ziba probably thought that he would never see David again. He thought that he would never see David back in power in Jerusalem, that he was gone and that Absalom would, 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 would take control. But here is David back again. And Ziba is worried about David's return. Ziba is like somebody who says that they love the king, that they follow the king, that they admire the king, but they really, in their heart of hearts, they don't. Ziba just followed David for his own purposes, for his own ends. Put simply, Ziba was a hypocrite. He pretends to be something, but he's actually something completely different. Many people pretend to be what they're not. And that's not how it should be. If we've been saved by God, if we are Christians, if we confess, if we say that we believe in Jesus Christ, then God must have ownership 
of our lives. Because we are bought with a price. Grace does not come to us cheaply. Grace cost Jesus. We're told in the New Testament that God spared not. The Father didn't spare His only Son. There was cost involved in Calvary. What's more, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so God expects us to live for Him, to keep His commandments. If you love me, He says, keep my commandments. And that proves our love, doesn't it? That we do what He says, that we do what He asks. That's proof that we love Him. But some people who say they're saved, they don't follow. They don't serve. They don't obey in the way that they're meant to. Will you be worried when King Jesus comes back? Will you be concerned? If you're not living for Jesus like you should, if you're lukewarm in the service of the gospel, then yes, you will be worried. You should be worried. But if you've been faithful to the Lord, if you've been faithful to his people, his house, and the work of his kingdom, then you have got good reason to not worry. If you are unfaithful, then you should be worried because we will all stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. Everything that we do will be wide open at the judgment seat of Christ. We live in a world, we live in an age where people say, well, it's my life. It's my life. So I can live as I please. I can do as I want. Well, that's true. But you have to be aware that if you live your life simply to please yourself, that there will be a price to pay if you do that. We reap what we sow. But here's the real question that underlies that thought. If you and I, if we live just as we please, are we really saved? Because along with salvation comes a desire to live for the Lord. There's a hymn that says this, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Ziba was a hypocrite. Ziba praised David with his mouth, but his heart was nowhere near David. At this point, I'll briefly mention the man called Shimei. And I'm sure Shimei, when he was... When he heard that David was coming back, and we could see it in the chapter, I'm sure Shimei was worried about the king's coming. Back in chapter 16, we can read where when David left Jerusalem, Shimei had followed after David. He'd gone down the road after him, out of the city, cursing David. Shouting at David. Shimei was glad to see the back of the king. He was glad to get rid of David as his ruler. But now, the shoe's on the other foot. Now, David is coming back and Shimei has to face the king. 
And he was one of the first guys to go. And he met the king before the king crossed the Jordan. He met the king before the king returned. And he begged for forgiveness. It's the only thing he can do. He begged for forgiveness. And he found that forgiveness. Many people try to live life on their own terms. They deny Jesus. They mock Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. And the paradox is that that many people who don't believe Jesus, they don't believe he existed, they don't believe he exists, and yet they hate him anyway. That doesn't make sense to me. And they refuse to submit to his authority over their lives. The day is coming when every single person who has lived on this earth will face Jesus. And they will face him in judgment. Wouldn't it be terrible? Wouldn't it be awful? If the only words that you ever hear from the lips of Jesus. Or from gentle Jesus meek and mild. From the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wouldn't it be awful? If the only word that you ever heard from the lips of the king. When he returned was get away from me. I never knew you. Jesus is coming back. We've never been nearer to the point at which he's going to come back than we are now. Jesus is coming back and the best plan for his return is to be ready. Is to be prepared. If you're not saved... If you're not sure how you stand before Jesus, before the king as he's coming back, the best thing is to do what Shimei did. Is to beg for forgiveness. Get on your knees in front of the king before he crosses the Jordan. Beg for forgiveness and be saved. If you are saved, if you are a believer, then live your life so you won't be ashamed When he appears. Surrender the crown that you are holding. Over your own life. Because Jesus return. Doesn't have to be something. That we're worried about. Doesn't need to catch you or I. Off our guard. Because Jesus himself. 2000 years ago. Said that he was coming back. And he is coming back. Because he keeps his promises. And he himself, the Bible says he is the first fruits, the first evidence, the first proof of the resurrection. And his return does not need to catch you off your guard. And some people will be waiting. When Jesus comes, some people will be waiting for him coming back. Look at verses 19 to 30. In the chapter that we read. Among those who came out to meet David was this man called Mephibosheth. This man who was slandered. Who was run down by Ziba his slave. And when Mephibosheth when he comes out to meet the king. It looks like he hasn't washed. He hasn't shaved. He hasn't looked after himself. Since the day that David left Jerusalem. He spent all of that time mourning over the king's absence, praying, longing, waiting 
for the king's return. And there's a very good reason for this. Mephibosheth's story is told in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Mephibosheth is a grandson of King Saul. And because Saul hated David, that should really mean that Mephibosheth is an enemy of David. He's a, he's a threat to David's dynasty, to the Davidic dynasty. And David could have had Mephibosheth killed. And that was the trend among kings in the ancient Near East. If there were anybody left from the family of the previous king who could be a threat, they put them to death. They killed them. And so David could have put Mephibosheth to death. But instead, because Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, Jonathan, whom David loved, David spared him. And he took him into his own family. He treated him as if he was his own son. And so Mephibosheth loved the king. He loved David because of what the king had done for him. Because of the love that David showed for Mephibosheth. And he longed for nothing more than for the king's return. He yearned for David to come back. But when David did come back, David still believed what Ziba had said about Mephibosheth. And David treated him unfairly when he returned. He still didn't give him back all of his property. But did you see Mephibosheth's love for David? It was so strong that he didn't care about his land and about the property. He said, Ziba can have all of that. As long as the king is back. He only cared about the king. He only cared about being under the king. And being with the king. Some people spend their lives waiting for Jesus. For King Jesus to return. And to them there will be no sweeter sound than to hear the shout that will come from heaven. The last trumpet that will sound and the summons to come up here. Some of you, I'm sure, are waiting for him right now. For every believer in here today, everybody who's waiting for the Lord Jesus, well, one day you're waiting, my waiting, our waiting will be over. And Jesus will do exactly as he promised. He will do exactly as he said. He will return in power and glory. And he will take his people to be with him where he is. Will you be waiting when he returns? Will you be watching for his return? Has the truth, the impact, the power of what Jesus has done for you, of the love that Jesus has for you, has that dawned in your soul? And are you gripped with a love for Jesus that you can't explain? When you consider that he's forgiven every sin, Every wrong thing that you've ever done. When he's, you, you think that he's removed the penalty of all of your sins. That he's broken the power that sin has over you. How could you not long to see him? Who loved you and gave himself for you. When you remember that he loves you. That he keeps you. And that he blesses you day and daily with more than you will ever deserve. More than I will ever deserve. Doesn't it touch your heart? Doesn't it make you long for his return so that your eyes will see the king in all 
of his glory. Because when he returns, he will not return as a baby. He will not return as a carpenter. He will not return as a broken man on a cross. He will return as the conquering king. And he will take what is his. And you will see him in all of his glory. Are you waiting for Jesus Christ today? If so, then rejoice, my friend. We've never been closer to his return than we are right now. He might return today. We don't know. But if he doesn't, then it's our job to work, to struggle, to watch, to wait, to wait in prayer, to focus, so that we can be found waiting for Jesus when he returns. The king is coming back. Keep watching, keep waiting. And some people will be working. They won't just be watching and waiting, they will be working. Barzillai, this, this man, he, he was another fellow who went out to meet King David on his return to Jerusalem. And he met the return of David with joy. He was overjoyed that David was coming back to take the throne. And he's an old man. He's 80 years of age. But he still comes out to see the king home. Not much is known about this man Barzillai. He was a rich man. We know that. But we do get a glimpse of his faithfulness and of his service. Because while David was in exile, Barzillai faithfully continued to save, to serve David as his king. He was part of a band of men who brought food and supplies to David when he needed them most, when he was on the run from Absalom. You can read about that in chapter 17 of this book. So when David came back to Jerusalem, that same spirit was alive in this faithful man Barzillai. He still served the king. Yes, he was old, but he kept working for the king. There was no hint of retirement in the king's service for him. Will you and I be still found working when our king returns? It's a sad truth. It's a sad, sad thing. But there are many believers who are absent without leave today. There are many people who once were saved, who once professed their faith. But they don't serve the Lord with the faithfulness that they did once more, they don't surrender every aspect of their life. And for some people, they still resist Jesus' claim on their life. They resent Jesus saying to them, Every inch of your life is mine. If we belong to the King, the King has bought us with a price. The price of us is His blood. And we should work, we should serve the king while we're waiting for his return. How should we do that? Well, we should do what we're doing just now. We should be gathering together, we should be worshipping on Sunday, through the week, whenever we can. Because what we're doing is we're gathering with our family. If you're believers today, you are not a bunch of strangers. You are my brothers and sisters. You are 
brothers and sisters to each other. We are bonded by blood. That's what a family is. And we gather with our blood relatives to hear about our elder brother. Because our elder brother has won the battle. And he's guaranteeing our salvation. Our elder brother who is coming back. And we should be working. We should be involved in the work of the kingdom. We should be involved in the work of the church in the broadest sense. In any and in every way that we can. By using the gifts that God has given us. And God has given every single one of us gifts. And we should use these gifts to serve them as best we can. Not by saying get somebody else to do it or when something needs to be done. We should be rolling up our sleeves, getting our hands dirty in the work of the kingdom for the, to prepare for the king's return. And we should be, be, be gossiping. We should be being gossips. As long as what we're gossiping is the gospel. Speaking to our brothers and sisters in Christ about what Jesus has done for us. Sharing with other people the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have read The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. John Bunyan was converted by overhearing two Christian women and all they were doing was talking to each other about their saviour. John Bunyan heard that conversation and he was saved and in that salvation he was used mightily by the Lord. We should be working by being a Barnabas. By being an encouragement to the family of God, either here or wherever you find yourself. By building brothers and sisters up in the faith, not criticizing and tearing down. We should be giving our time, our talents and our financial and material resources to the Lord and his kingdom's work. Who gave us these things anyway? God did. And at the very best, we are only stewards of this th these things as we pass through this world. So the very best use of our time, our talents, and our financial and material resources is to lay them at the feet of the one who gave them for the work of his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, says Jesus, and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Look for God's righteousness first. And all these things will be added to you. My question for you this morning is, if you're a believer in Jesus, will the king, when he comes back, will King Jesus find you working for him? Not just waiting. <clears throat> but if you can, will he find you working for him? Barzillai was 80 years old, but he was working till the very end. He was faithful. He kept living. He kept giving. He kept working. He kept doing everything that he could until the king returned. Will that be said about you and me? Let me challenge you this morning again with the words of a hymn. Rise up, 
all men of God and women have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. If that's you, then just like King David blessed Barzillai, King Jesus will bless your faithfulness to him. The day will come when he will receive you into his blessed presence and he will reward you for your work and your faithfulness openly. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Keep working. Augustine, that faithful father of the early church said this, that we should pray like everything depends on God. But we should work like everything depends on us. Keep praying, yes, but keep working. Because you are the tools that God uses to spread his good news of the returning king throughout the kingdom. Stand your ground for Jesus. And even if everybody else around you falls away, gives up or drops out, you keep on fighting for the glory of the Lord because those who stand will receive the victory. Keep waiting. Keep working for Jesus. And some people will be hating when Jesus returns. Some people will be filled with hatred. We ran into chapter 20. And there was that man there at the beginning of chapter 20, this man called Sheba. And we're told there that he was a worthless man. He had just one thing on his mind, this Sheba. And that thing was overthrowing King David. He hated David. He hated the fact that David was coming back. He hated the fact that David was resuming the throne. And he tried to lead a rebellion against him. And in response, David's generals chased after Sheba and he was killed. He was put to death. You can read about it later in chapter 20. Sheba stands for the people who are enemies of Christ. Who hate Jesus. Who don't see that they need a king, a ruler over their lives like Jesus. They're doing a good enough job themselves. Thank you very much. People who don't believe in Jesus and yet they hate him with a passion anyway. But there are also people who don't think that they are Jesus' enemies. They maybe don't have that vitriolic hatred. Maybe you don't think you're an enemy of Jesus. You're not a bad person. You live a good life. You, you, You keep the laws of the land. You observe the speed limit. You pay your taxes. You don't beat your dog or your children. You're just sitting on the fence. You're maybe waiting to make up your mind to see which side you'll plump for eventually. Or maybe you think that, well, Jesus is okay for others. It's okay for my wife. It's okay for my grandparents. It's okay for other people to like Jesus if they like that sort of thing. But not for you. You don't want to be an enthusiast for Jesus. Well, if that's you, if that's the way you think, if that's how you look at the Bible and the church and and Jesus Christ, then I've got some bad news. The truth is that every person who doesn't love King Jesus is his enemy. These are his words, not my words. He said it, not me. 
I'm not making this up. He said, if, those, if you are not for me, you're against me. If you're not for Jesus, then you are his enemy. You're against Jesus. And when Jesus returns, people who are not waiting, who are not longing, who are not yearning for his return, who are not working to anticipate his coming back, they'll be in the, sh- the same position as Sheba was. They'll be enemies of the king. They'll find themselves shut out of the kingdom. The doors will be closed against them, shut out of an eternity in heaven. Will you be shut out when Jesus returns? If Jesus comes and finds you still lost in sin, then you won't be in the kingdom. You will be in a place that wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But it's the place that Jesus will send you to, that he will commit you to. If you are not prepared for his return to the kingdom. And that's the bad news. But that is good news today. Because King Jesus' return does not have to catch you off your guard. You can be ready. You can be saved. Now. If you are saved today. If you come to Jesus today. You are as holy and as saved and as loved. As somebody who came to Jesus 37, 38 years ago. 2,000 years ago, a man called Yeshua. It's the same name as Joshua. This man, Jesus from Nazareth, he was the Christ of God. He was the chosen of God, the anointed of God. He was the Son of God. He went to the cross willingly and he laid down his life for you. Has anybody ever loved you that much? Can you think of anybody who was willing to die so that you could live? He took your sins. But more than that, he became your sins. And took the punishment your sin deserves, my sin deserves. Why? So that we can be saved. So that if you accept him as the payment... As the sacrifice for your sins. And you repent. You turn away from your sins. Then God will save your soul. It is that simple. Repent and believe. And he will take you to heaven. When you are ready to leave this world. And that means. That you would be ready when Jesus comes. You would be ready to meet him. Knowing that his righteousness has saved you. Don't be like Sheba. Don't be an enemy of the king. Don't be cursing the king. Be saved. Be blessed. Be part of his kingdom now and forever. How will you meet the king when he comes back? No one knows when when Jesus is coming back. No one knows the hour. No one knows the day. Jesus, the Son, He doesn't know. Only the Father knows. Are you worried about His return this morning? Do you ever think about it? Maybe you put it out of your mind. We live our lives, we put our death out of our mind. Because it always seems so far in the future. But it always arrives. 
Do you ever think about Jesus coming? Or is that something that, that, that it's got to be thousands, hundreds if not thousands of years in the future? Well, we should be worried about him because he is coming back. Every promise that he made, he has fulfilled and he will fulfill this one. Are you waiting for him to come back this morning? If Jesus comes soon, will he find you working for him? Up to your elbows in pushing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to your fellow beings? Or will he find you hating him? Because if you're not loving him, working for him, waiting for him, praying for his return, you are hating him. Like it or not, Jesus is coming back. And when he does, how will you meet him? Amen. Let's pray. Eternal Father, we thank you for the promise that every eye will see him when he returns in power and glory, when Jesus comes to take what is his and to make judgment in a final division between those who love and those who hate the name of Jesus. This morning, Lord, that all of us who are in here would know Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we would be convicted of our need of a saviour, a ruler to guide us and defend us, a lover of our soul to save us from the hell that is to be shunned and bring us to the heaven that is to be sought. Part us with your blessing. Make us give you no peace until you save us and restore us. For Jesus' sake, amen. Let's sing from the Scottish Psalter in conclusion, Psalm 72. Psalm 72, the last three verses, page 314 in the Blue Psalm book, Psalm 72 from verse 17. His name forever shall endure, laughed like the sun it shall, men shall be blessed in him. And blessed all nations shall him call. So on down to the end of the psalm to God's praise. His name forever shall endure. We stand to sing.
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen.